Hey, would you just show your appreciation for the band, please, this morning? I'll just, uh, I'll just inform you of something. As a worship leader, it's a little awkward sometimes. At the end of, a, of music sometimes in our culture, we're used to clapping and, and, and you know, cheering. And as a worship leader, your, your whole entire goal always is, is pointing that glory to the Lord and, and showing him off and, and all of that. And so, um, and so sometimes it's awkward. You, you don't know what that is. But I just want you to know at Neighborhood Bible Church, at the end of a worship song, when people are like, yeah, and they're cheering, they're not enthralled with Rob's voice. He's got a killer voice, no question about it. But he is not performing for us, and we're not clapping for him like it's the New York Symphony. We're cheering because we're like, yes, and it's part of our response. It's part of our, of, of our worship. And so um, that's just what that's about. But periodically, I do want you just to say thanks to the band. And so periodically, I will just cue you to say thanks. They just, they just work hard at that and love what they do and um, put a lot of, of hours into, into that. And it's awesome. Um, I don't recommend church hopping. Uh, when college students used to go away to college, I would say, look, uh, find a good church. Here's some key things to look for in a good church. But don't spend the first two years of your, you know, four years of college looking for a church. You know, sometimes that's how people can kind of be. Um, but, uh, but I was church hopping this morning. Um, I was over at, uh, at my home church because my niece got baptized a few minutes ago. And I wouldn't miss that for the world. And so um, our whole family was just over there. And it's just like when you, that was the place where I got baptized. There was a lot more orange and carpet back then. But it, but it was the same baptistry. And here, you know, here's my niece in there just making a proclamation saying, this is the Jesus. This is the God and Savior I'm going to follow. And uh, we were just so pumped up. It's already, so I'm already fired up and juiced up um, and ready to roll. Uh, listen, I hope that you are making use of, uh, of these sermon notes that are, that, are, that are put in here every week. Um, I'm just going to kind of walk you through a couple of, of features this morning. One is this. If you take this part of it um, and open it up, I grew up wishing, I think, I wasn't much of a crossword puzzle guy, but I grew up wishing there was more things like this in a bulletin. We've actually put a crossword puzzle in here this morning. And that's for those of you who tend to wander or tend to think, you know, about other things. And, you know, you feel a little guilty if you're just doodling or something or making a grocery list. That seems very unspiritual. Well, this is, in essence, a lot of the lesson in crossword puzzle form. So what I'm going to do, parents, you still need to check with mom and dad because they're your authority, but you can do a crossword puzzle right here during the sermon if you'd like, okay? And it's called the community crossword puzzle, and if you get stuck, um, I'd say you can even cheat off your neighbor today, okay? Just because we're community, we're community, and we're working together on this thing. Um, the second thing that I'd like you to note that's a little bit different is your, your notes this morning. Um, your notes... Uh, basically have John chapter 17 verses 11 to 24 in them. And what we're going to do, some of you don't like to write in your Bibles um, or highlight it or whatever else. Um, we're going to just allow you to, to, to write on this and kind of take notes on this. There's no real fill in the blanks. There's some thoughts I want you to gather and I want you to, to write on things. Some of you have carried around, you know, for the last 12 years, you know, the multicolor highlighter set. You're in luck today because, I mean, you could even color code this thing and just go bananas with it. You're going you're gonna to love it. Um, on the back, every single week, uh, we put community group questions right here on the back, and those are for our community groups. Our community group leaders have um, the questions already, as does the community before you meet. Um, but in addition to that, you could, you could take your family and make that a community group time, can't you? You could take your devotion week this week and say, I'm a little stagnant, I don't have a reading plan, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Grab the questions and just continue to mull on and chew on what we talked about in here. So it's not just like hearing something and moving on and moving on and moving on. Final component is this. Every week I've been putting a memory verse in here for you, and I tried to just really set you up for success this week, Okay. I gave you three verses, which to some of you sounds insanely daunting, but, um, but anyone know what the first one is without reading it? My kids better know this. Huh? No, from, yeah, from, from last week's memory verse. Sorry, from last week's memory verse. You can't look at it. Yeah, that's right. You're like, how are we supposed to know the future, the future memory verse, Dave? We don't know. That's why we're looking at you so awkwardly right now. Anyone got the memory verse from last week? Ethan. 
Give it up for Ethan. Good job, buddy. Now, this, this looks super suspicious. Like, Ethan, I'm going to ask that. I want to make sure you know this because you're the pastor's kid. That wasn't like that at all. Um, here's what I'm challenging you to do. I'm challenging you. We do this as a community, meaning this, that as a family, we memorize verses together. And so it's not just how many verses can this kid get, but it's how many verses can we get as a family. And what Ethan and I talked about as soon as Ethan nailed his verse this week, um, what I told him was this. I said, you know, it's easy. It's relatively easy to memorize it. It's supernatural to go and live this out. How are you doing from last week? Here it is. Be joyful always. How'd you do? How'd you do last week? Perfect. Perfect. All right. I'm seeing, I'm hearing perfect and thumbs down. Yeah, we've got, we've got the gamut. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, doesn't that require God's grace in our life to, to last for the next hour? To, 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 to really be doing that? To be walking in this? I don't know that this person was from our church. I, it just would have been so cool if they were, but I was driving to the church on, I don't know, this was Monday or Tuesday. This is sitting on Branham at Meridian. And I see this license plate in front of me. And I just, I just had to take a picture. I was like a stalker with my iPhone, but I, my iPhone sitting there. I just took a little picture of it. And I just thought, man, that is so cool to see that license plate full of joy, you know, and I just thought, that just, that's just what I want. And it, and it actually harkened back to, to last Sunday and our time together and saying, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be joyful always, you know, and even slap it on my, on my, on my license plate, you know, so it's like almost hold you accountable. That person can't have road rage, I think. It's like there's a built-in accountability there. But just as a review from last week, we, we want to, we want to be memorizing scripture and allowing God's word to speak to our hearts and, and passing that on to others. This week we're going to be talking, uh, we're, we're really kind of moving in an, into a new direction, but it's still in this demanding series. And, um, and we're talking in some ways about, about a united house. And a united house is a scriptural theme, um, but, but many other kind of venues of the culture have grabbed onto it. And just listen to this. In 1958, a tall, gangly man stood up in Springfield, Illinois, to accept his party's nomination for U.S. Senator. America was at that moment of being ripped apart by fierce debate over the peculiar institution of slavery. Who would carry the day, the slaveholders or the abolitionists? Could a country survive half slave and half free? In his acceptance speech, Abraham Lincoln made a prophetic declaration. Quoting Jesus, he insisted, A house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, there was no way to dodge this issue. America must choose one or the other. Now, later on, some random graffiti artist added this commentary that a house divided is a condo, um, which, which may be helpful in some settings, but I don't think it really serves us as much, but I thought it was kind of comical. But a, but a house divided, some of you, some of you know what this means, and maybe you grew up in a home that, that you watched just split apart. And it didn't happen just all, all at once, but you watched it. You just watched this home rip apart, and you're feeling the repercussions of that today. What my niece McKenna did a few minutes ago in front of her church body was to say this. This is the ground I'm standing on. This is the Jesus I'm following. I'm no longer divided. I'm no longer going to live for my friends. She just gave a neat little testimony. I'm no longer going to live to make my friends happy. I'm no longer going to live for other people. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Now here's the way community works, is that is that we are centered on that truth. And we stand on that truth. And there's a community. Her youth pastor gave this this great little commentary said the reason we do this publicly is that this is a community decision in some ways. It's personal, but we're going to help her as a community hold to that. And just like when I go to a wedding, it reminds me of my wedding vows that I made to my wife. Being in this room where I stood as a 17-year-old kid and said exactly the same thing was powerful for me this morning. And to not walk divided but to be unified. We're going to shift this morning in, in terms of the 
<laughs> kind of where the lens is with this demanding series. This, these demands that God makes on the life of every follower. And they're, they're going to move from kind of internal to external. They're going to move from personal to more communal. So far we've been talking very pointedly, and we, we started here on purpose, with the heart. And we, we talked a little bit last week that, that those things internally are a little bit easier to fake, isn't it? You could say, I'm joyful, and all through the lunch, be joyful. But really inside, in your heart, you're, you're not joyful. And you're, you're, you're not at peace, and you don't have faith. And these things that God, God calls us to do, calls us to walk in, enables us by the Holy Spirit to live in. We're not really, in some ways, um, leaving the, the internal, personal level of this. Because even though we, we're going to now talk about, how do I treat John Garza? How do I treat you? How do we treat one another? What does it look like for family together? What demands has been placed on this community? And by the way, if you take the Bible in its whole, there are so many words written to how God wants his community to function. He really, really cares about it. So while I say that we're moving to more externals, it's really still a heart issue, isn't it? I don't know how many of you have been to the South. I haven't been to the South a ton, but I've been there enough to know about Southern charm and about the fact that people could look at you and just smile, and they could just be as polite as can be to you. They could offer you hospitality and sweet tea, all kinds of stuff, and inside hate your guts. Because culturally, this is how we do things. We're just nice. We're polite about it even though we can't stand you. I mean, it's weird. And my buddy went from growing up here in, in our culture, San Jose, and he started to be a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, Atlanta, Georgia, what he said was this. He said one of the weirdest things for him was everyone went to church. Here, it's like not many people go to church. I don't really think about going to church. They're like, you want to go to church? They're like, why? Like, you know, who's getting married or who died? I don't know why we would do that. There, it's like cultural. You go to church. That's what you do. And he said what's hard is everyone's a Christian there. Meaning, everyone goes to church and prays before a meal and says the right things and kind of externally does this whole little family deal. It's, it's tradition. That's what you do. And so to get it kind of the heart of things is, is harder there. Here it's a little bit more stark, isn't it? Not many people that roam around just kind of throwing out that title quite like the South. So I don't want to pick on the South. That's true of a lot of other places, but it's kind of known for being there. That you can say the right things, do the right things externally, and if it's not coming from a place of, of, of authenticity in your heart and something God's doing, it's fake. And it's not real, and it's not lasting, and it certainly isn't what God called us to. Now, as I started to think about community, um, we're... we're, we're I sort of went in this direction. I sort of, I sort of started to go down this direction of, of what God has for us as a community and how we're to function. And I just had to pull back and say, you know what? We have to start uh, way, way earlier than, than where I was going to start. And we're going to start at the beginning. And fortunately, we have a book that means beginning, and it's called Genesis. And Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but you can write this down. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. In fact, turn there. I lied. Um, all the way to the left. First book of the Bible. Pretty important stuff. In fact, I would say it's foundational. And this is the beginning. My, my topic at the top says the beginning. And here it is, the creation account. And God's creating all things on heaven and on earth. And then look with me down at verse 26. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In his image, God created him. Male and female, he created them. Right at the very start of scriptures of the, of the Bible, we see this, this community. And it is God revealing himself in community. There's no one else there to talk to yet when he's saying our image, right? He's saying our image because God has revealed himself as the Father, as Jesus the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to diverge into the Trinity. That's a whole series in and of itself. But it's one of the unique things about, about the biblical account. 
is that he reveals himself as one person in, as one being in three persons. And, and so what, what I want you to get from this is, is that as we move into community and as we talk about how we're to treat one another, realize at the very start of everything, God reveals himself in community. I want to show you something else. Stay there in Genesis. Move over to chapter two. Look at verse 18. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, says this. He's been saying all along here, by the way, he made this and he saw that it was what? Good. Over and over, in fact, he says that. And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. And then 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Amen. Can I get an amen on that one? There you go. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, in the Genesis account, chapters 1 through 3, so much is established. So much is talked about. There are so many things culturally that are unraveling what's being talked about here. We're going to get into what does God demand for the home. Husbands, what does it look like? Fathers, what does it look like? Moms, what does it look like to be in the home. Wives, what does it look like? Children, how are you to interact with your parents? How is the home supposed to be? And we're going to look at some demands there. But here we see God, and it says, but for Adam there was no suitable helper found. Now, my family and I love to go to the zoo. It's something that we thoroughly enjoy. And, um, and we were just there, I don't know, not that long ago, and we were cruising around. And kids, I want to ask you a question for a second. As you go around and you look at the zoo and you think about farm animals and all the different animals that God created, don't shout it out or anything. I just want to get it in your head. Like, what's your absolute favorite animal in the whole wide world, okay? My daughter's eyes just lit up and I know her answer, but I want you to just get that in your head, okay? Now, as you walk around, you know, the zoo, for instance, or even just expand that and think about, about everywhere, um, I want you to ask yourself, I mean, just imagine Adam. You know, he's looking at all these different ad, uh, animals and he's naming them. And um, I want you to think about your favorite animal now and think about how it would be if that was your mom. How would that be? How would it be if your favorite animal was mom? Okay? Now, here's what I know for a fact. That as I walk around, like one of the coolest things we got to do recently was see a lion head about as close as Andrew's face is, just right there, a big old mane. And I was just pumped because there was giant glass between me and him. And there's, there's his, uh, you know, his beautiful bride laying next to him. And I just thought, man, cool animals, but you don't want them tucking the kids in, right? I don't want to entrust my kids to Mrs. Lion at nighttime, right? Are, we, are you tracking with me here? Okay, there's no suitable helper for Adam. It's, it's not good that he's alone, but it's like, nope, uh-uh, definitely not. And kids, no matter what your favorite animal is, you see pretty plainly just by using your brain to say, wow, mom's on a different level, right? Mom's just on a different level. And that's the way God designed it to be. Not that we're a different animal and we've just, we've just evolved a little bit higher somehow. We're on a different level. And that's a really, really good God-designed thing. Now, God commanded Adam. I want you to see that this demand... This demanding series tracks all the way back to the, to the be, beginning. This isn't Jesus that suddenly came along and started spouting off things. There are commands throughout Scripture. Kids, what does it mean when mom and dad command you to do something? Do you have a choice in the matter? I, I'm giving you the answer. No. That's right. Sometimes they give you a choice, right? Chocolate or vanilla. That's a choice. But if you say you will eat ice cream, that's not a choice. Right? Don't you wish your parents said that more, Tori? I know. I always wish mine did. God commanded Adam, why? Catch this, kids. Same reason your parents command you. Because they want to steal all your fun. No! Wrong answer. Why do your parents command you things? Because they love you. It's their role and their job to protect you and to train you up and to cut a path before you so that you know in the right way to walk. That's why they command you things. Why does God command Adam to work the ground? Because he loves him. He's giving him his role. 
He's protecting him. Why does he command him not to eat from this one certain tree in the garden? Because he loves him and he wants to protect him. So the same loving father, the same loving God lays out limitations for us, gives freedoms to Adam and provides Adam with relationship, with community. Now, you and I were made for joining together. And by the way, everything in the garden is called special revelation. Adam probably knew in some sense why he was there, but he was told specifically by God some things. And do you know that that we're given special revelation by the Holy Scriptures? We're given special revelation when Jesus comes down to earth and veils his glory in a body and says, this is how I want you to live. This is how you're to be. This is your mission. These are your limitations. These are your freedoms that you have. And in the garden, we're going to get to it in a second. What does the devil do? Questions the special revelation, right? Undermines it. And it's always, it hasn't changed. He comes along and he says, did God really say? I mean, isn't that a little open to interpretation? Do you know what God really is afraid of is this? And he starts to plant the seeds of doubt. And he starts to, to go to battle with you. You and I were made to join together. But as you and I know, joining together, living in community hurts, doesn't it? Living in community is really, really hard. I want you to look at this for a second. This on the screen about, I think it was three years ago now. Um, foolishly, on the last run of my day snowboarding, this is at Heavenly. I decided to take this jump because I thought, well, you know, if I hurt something, it will be at the end of the day. I won't waste a bunch of money. So me and my brother-in-law are out snowboarding, and we take this jump. And here's what happened on this jump. Um, that's a person standing in red. It's a little fuzzy because I grabbed this off their website. But um, I landed about a foot short of this tabletop right here. And when you fall short, it hurts really, really, really bad. If you land a couple more feet down, you're on the down slope and it's all good. But if not, it's like just jumping out of, you know, a couple stories high onto cement. And what happened was this. I felt a pain that started right here and it just shot up and kind of like exploded out my head. And, um, and so I kind of went down, you know, and, and, um, and what ended up happening was, was this. Um, this isn't really my foot. I just grabbed this. But I went and got some fun x-rays, which are always cool. That means life is good. Um, and, and what happened was I, I ended up breaking my foot on, on, this, on this jump. And here's why. Because I, I fell short. Now, this foot was designed by God. So it was this foot. And, and, and the foot, think about this. The foot is designed for walking, for standing, for balance, for kicking a soccer ball, for doing all sorts of great stuff, right? When it's broken, it's really, really hard to do those things. It's really hard to walk around on a broken foot. You know what else? It hurts. It hurts like crazy to walk around on a broken foot. It just does. And Genesis 3 says this. This is, this is in a nutshell what, what, what happened in Genesis 3. That Satan come in, came in and the fall happened. And with the fall, what that means is this, that, that Adam and Eve, our, our first parents, passed on this fracture. And it wasn't just a clean break. Like a bone can actually heal. This is where the metaphor breaks down. The bone can heal and you can actually actually be stronger than before. But this is like a, this is like a fracturing that just like reverberated through the rest of time. And you know what it is? It's falling short. And in our relationships, we, we feel like that, that jump sometimes. We're like, I'm just a tiny bit off. I know I can do this next time on my own power. That, that last loser I was dating, I mean, it was just, it was all them. I know this, this, this new one's the, the right one for me. And in our relationships, we long to come close because we're designed to join together and be in community, and then it hurts. And it's really, really, really hard. And so sometimes we pull away again, and we try it again, and we pull away again. And what it is, is it's, it's the fracture, it's the fall that happens. And that's why as we talk about community, no one in this room just says, got that nailed. 
I can just go start helping set up for the welcome lunch because I know everything there is about relationships. You're not there. We all stumble in many ways, but I guarantee you this, we all stumble in relationship. Here's, here's a reality. If you're new to our church or relatively new, you can look around this room and you can know that these people around you will fail you. They'll let you down. I'm not trying to be like pessimistic or weird. It's just really, really true. And, and here's the other thing. If you just took a mirror and put it right up in front of your face, you could look at the mirror and the, uh, the little image in the mirror and say, yeah, but you're going to let people down too. It's because we struggle with sin. We struggle with selfishness. We struggle with this even though we're designed to get along. Now, here's the good news. Here's, here's the hope in all of this. That sounds kind of depressing. I get that. But here's the hope. Jesus commanded us to walk in unity. He commanded us to be a community. He, not only that, we're going to look, spend most of our time in his prayer where Jesus is praying for his immediate disciples, but also all the disciples through the ages that will come to believe in his name through their testimony. That's us. Where Jesus is praying for our unity. Before learning to love other people, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different ideas in the culture about this. Before I can properly love you, I need to learn myself or love myself. Now, there's part of you that just wants to chuck that and go, that sounds really humanistic. And, you know, you can spend your whole life loving yourself. You know, you're like, one more vacation. I don't love myself enough. It's like, yeah, you're doing pretty good, you know. So there's parts of that that you can go really, really weird on. But, but there's a part of it that's biblical. We're to love other people as we what? Love ourselves, Right? So let me just ask you this, and this is a little bit of a divergence, but your relationships are in shambles right now. I mean, if they're a mess, let me just ask you this. Are you the picture of health in your own, in your own being of who you are, who God made you to be? Are you secure in your love that God has for you right now? Are you caring for yourself the way that you ought? I mean, I would say a resounding no to any and all of that. And if you think that you are, even though all your relationships are a mess, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. So there's a certain sense that, that right loving of others does stem from, from loving yourself. But even more base and more primary than that is your relationship with God and your love for God and your love from God. I want you to turn to the back of your book now. We're just covering the whole Bible this morning. Revelation chapter 2. And in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is talking to seven different churches. And he comes along to this church in Ephesus. And it says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. I look at this and I just go, man, what a solid church. I mean, that's a, that's a good-looking church right there. Enduring hardships. I mean, they're showing that there's something real going on there. But verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. That's really the one thing that, that Jesus has against this church. I see all this other stuff. And you know what? It's so important I'm going to call it out. Your perseverance, your standing firm... Your hard work, that's important stuff. But I have one thing against you, and here it is. You've lost your first love or forgotten your first love. Now catch verse 5. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And there's a clause here. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And I'm going to stop there. 
what would Jesus write to you personally? What would Jesus write to us collectively? And if it's that we've lost our first love, realize this is of first importance. The reason that we started this whole demanding series with you must be born again, so important we spent two weeks on it, is that it all keeps coming back to that. If you're not really born again, you're not really a regenerate person, then to move on to say, this is how I should treat Jason, and this is how I should love my wife, and this is how I ought to be interacting with my neighbors, it's fleshly, and it's demonic, and it won't last. There will be some good to it, because God's just given us His glory. You're looking, I'm looking at people who are made in the image of God. But the reality is, is that we move forward in trying to learn how to communicate and relate to one another we must love God first and foremost. Here's, here's what I want to say with this. The secret and source of our community is, is loving God. And if you have uh, parents that aren't perfect, I'm talking to adults who have parents who aren't perfect. I'm talking to kids whose parents are not perfect. If you're in that category, okay? Just guessing there might be a couple. Realize this. The number one thing that would make your mom or your dad a better parent is that they're born again and love Jesus, first and foremost. That same truth could be said of your pastor. That same truth could be said of your community group leader. That same truth is said of your mentor. Think about this. What, what you want first and foremost in these relationships, is someone who loves Jesus. And then out of that will flow some other things. There are some people who are super gifted musically. And as when I was a youth pastor, people would want to come and lead worship. And there were some that were more gifted. Music just came super easy to them. But you know what? They didn't love Jesus. And they said all the right things, and they even quoted verses, and they had somewhat of a repertoire. But but I, I it, was just, it was just kind of apparent to me, yeah, but... This really is more about you and your talent and your gift, and you want a platform for that, and I get that, but it ain't going to happen here. You can move on. I'll gladly take the tone-deaf worship leader who's got a heart for Jesus and keeps pouring it out the right way. And the same is true in, in, in your relationships. Here's the kicker, parents. What you can do for your kids is love Jesus. I'll tell you what's going on with, with our as a community, are growing in loving Christ is parenting classes, is friendship classes, is money management classes, is all kinds of things because it flows out of that. How do you, you want to be a better friend? You go figure out how Jesus treated people. You go get right close to Jesus and you attach himself there. That's what you're looking for. When community is bad, if you look around you and say, man, our community lunches, uh, my community group, my relationships. When community is bad in a church, what you do is you, look, you, you just kind of trace it back. We're, we're, a, we're a branch, right? We're a vine. And if you're cut off from Christ, community goes bad every time. And whole churches can get off mission. They can, they can kind of get off focus here. God's given us a lot of success in this one area. Let's take Mexico. A great thing to be involved in. But let's say we just get so wrapped up in that, that that we're no longer connected to the vine and we're no longer recharging and re-energizing there. How's it going to go for us? It's going to turn sour and it's going to go really bad. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says this, We know that we have come to know Him if... We obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. John doesn't like to mince words. He just throws it out there. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Catch that. How is God's love truly made complete in someone? If anyone obeys his word. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. So in this whole talk about community, and as we move forward with how we're to relate to one another, it better keep coming back to our love for God. 
It better keep being motivated by our love for God. It better keep being enabled by the Spirit of Christ at work in us. And not just, man, living harmoniously in the house seems kind of more fun than yelling and arguing and being at odds all the time. I want that reward, so I'm just going to work at it and try and figure it out. That will go bad for you. Being joyful always this week was impossible for you unless you had the Holy Spirit of Christ in you. And then I would say it's demanding because every day you need to abide. Every moment you need to abide. You can't possibly be angry, hold a grudge against your fellow workmate, brother, sister, family member, friend, and still be joyful always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances, can you? Three short verses, really, really hard to live out unless you have the Spirit of God in you. All right, how important is this? Last thing, and then we'll kind of jump into John 17. Uh, Jesus is approached by a Pharisee, a, a teacher of the law, and unlike most of the others, instead of giving him a scathing rebuke and sending him running with his tail between his legs, Jesus actually kind of seems to commend this guy. He comes up and he says this, what is the greatest commandment? What's Jesus' answer? We're a Bible church. We should know this. Okay. Yeah. So the first one, absolutely, is to love the Lord your God. And he says, on this, actually, he doesn't say that yet. Love the Lord your God. That's why we're starting here. That's what we're reminding here at the start of this morning is that's super important. In fact, it's the first and greatest commandment. But then he moves right on and he says the second is like it. He doesn't leave it just at that. Here's what the message is. You are not allowed to just be you and God. Me and God. Can't stand everyone else, but me and God are good. You are not walking in the truth. You're not walking in the light. You're a liar. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to everyone else. Even with your great doctrine and everything lined up and your amazing quiet times and your super spiritual retreats, you're a liar. Love the Lord your God, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How important is community? How important is it that we are unified and get along in here? It's massively important. Jesus says all of the law and all of the prophets, that's like take, you know, take your Old Testament and say, here it is. Everything can be summed up with these two things. Love God and love one another. There it is. It just, it just boils it back down and simplifies it. Jesus shows us how to do both of these. Turn to John 17. And if you don't want to turn there, you can just look in your bulletin. And we're going to just kind of blitz through a couple of ideas here that I see here. <clears throat> the first is this. As we look at John 17, and we're going to just take a chunk of this, 11 through 24. It's really good to read this whole prayer in context. And it's good to know that right after this, Jesus is betrayed and arrested. And on it goes to the cross. So as he's talking about glory and glorifying himself and all these things he's leaving with his disciples, it's on, it's, it's, it's on the cusp of him uh, getting put to death and seemingly at his darkest hour. And we're approaching that with celebrating Easter. There are so many different themes in here. In fact, what I want to do is this. I'm taking a little segment of John 17. In your community groups, you can actually take some of these same themes and words that I'm going to work into this, and you can expand it to the whole chapter. Because there's so much more here, I just knew we wouldn't have time, so I kind, of, I kind of cut it down. Now, what I'm not doing here is this. I'm not just taking this and wanting to preach out of community, no matter what the passage is about. That's not the way that we do things here. What I want you to do is I want you to see John 17... And sometimes referred to as his high priestly prayer. Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who speaks to God on our behalf and speaks to us on behalf of God. And in Jesus' high priestly prayer, I know his other prayer gets a lot of attention, but this is a pretty amazing prayer. He's talking so much about unity and about joining together and about the importance of it. And what I want you to do is this, while we're going to look at the idea of community as we work through here, you're going to see several of the other demands that we've been talking about woven into this passage and truths woven into this passage. I just want to read this in its entirety and then we'll go back and talk about it for a couple minutes. John chapter 17, verse 11. Now I am departing the world. 
They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Remember, this is Jesus praying to the Father. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of your name you gave me, by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one of them was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me father and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one I am in them and you are in me may they experience such perfect unity that the whole that 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 the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can all see the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. I want to just draw out a couple of ideas and themes. The first is this. The first word I want you to see in this is the word protection. Now, I want you to take your pen or pencil, your 12 highlighters, however you want to do it. And I want you to mark this up. And I want you to do some underlying and circling and drawing and connecting of themes and ideas. I want you to see in verse 17, it says, now protect them. Circle the word protect. Verse 12, it says, I protected them. I guarded them. Circle those two words. The idea of protection and guarding, and needing to be kept safe is for the simple truth that we're at war. Now overlay this with with one of the large themes here. It's unity. It's Christian unity within the church. Not neighborhood Bible church so much, but the church of Jesus Christ. Catch that we're at war with that. Do you know why it's challenging for this church to get along with that church down the street? It's because there's an enemy. Just the same way that there's fighting in your home on any given day over any little topic on any different scale, there's conflict and strife and quarreling that goes on collectively with the churches. And to know that Jesus, in praying to his Father, is saying that I'm keeping them safe, I'm safeguarding them, I'm protecting them, ought to clue us in that this standing firm stuff is going to be a little bit challenging. Don't think it's just going to be, well, I got baptized last week. I thought it was all roses at that point. I had a Christian treat me poorly after I got baptized. Can you imagine? And we're just shocked at some of this stuff. It's because there's a war going on. And and I want you to recognize this. When you think unloving thoughts, unkind thoughts, ungracious thoughts, when you don't want to bear up with anyone, I want you to see the wickedness going on in your own heart and mind. And I want it to drive you to your needs and say, oh God, help this desperate man. I'm in need of grace. I'm in need of salvation right now, today. Not them changing me. It's in me. And God, help me. I'm broken. It hurts. It's hard. But I know you've designed this foot to walk and stand. And so I'm going to keep going. That's what I want you to see. Getting along with everyone, with all. I mean, the scope of this is actually quite amazing. Now, I happen to know that there's an engaged couple in here. And for those of you who aren't engaged or aren't married yet, I know this sounds unromantic. But go talk to a married person and ask if it's challenging and requires hard work to stay together as a couple. Okay? That's your homework assignment while we're eating lunch together. Just go find a married couple. If they've been married more than about five minutes, they'll tell you. 
as, as unromantic as this sounds, as much as the movies may not show you this all the time, it's hard. It's really difficult to get along. And you're like, yeah, but didn't you choose that person, Mary? Yeah. It wasn't arranged marriage. I chose this person. It's still hard. Don't you love them? Yes. And it's still hard. That's getting along in a fallen world. Here's the other thing about, about this whole idea of, of being in community and getting along is this. There was a certain hostility that followed Jesus around and ramped up towards his death. Right? We can, we can see that. That hostility and that, that, that counter push now falls on the church. We love to sing songs that I'm the hands and feet of Jesus or whatever. And we just think that's such a warm idea. But the reality is that truth carries with it that, that this, this hostility now falls on us, his followers. And that's why I said last week, someone came to me afterwards. They said, it must not have been a very good message. I still like you. And I had said last week that if you like me every week and think I'm just a swell guy all the time, I'm not preaching the gospel probably. And the same is true with you. How are you being received as a Christian? Are you well-liked and received by every circle you encounter? I really sincerely hope not. Because Jesus wasn't. And that's, that's a clue that there's a war going on. Now, second theme I want you to look at is this. That we are, we are to be united as God is united. Here's the prayer Jesus is praying for us. I don't want these two just to kind of get along. Father, I want them to be one as we are one. Look at this in verse, uh, in verse 11. So that they will be united just as we are. Skip down to verse 21. I pray that their message, I, I, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Circle that. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe. Underline that because that ties into this. Skip down to 22. I have given them the glory you gave me. Catch this. So they may be one as we are one. Do you see the model here? The model is the community and unity that the Son has with the Father is the kind of unity and community that is our goal. That's our model. It's not to be, it's not to be anything less than that. Here's the, other, here's the other amazing thing about this, is that our being one with one another has, has an, an even bigger goal, and that's worldwide evangelism. That our being one is for others. I said this before, but this is a really um, uh, kind of critical idea that we'll kind of lo- look at a little bit later. Um, let me move on. Filled with joy. Look at verse uh, 13. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. Isn't it cool how these these demands work together? That as we abide, we find our joy in Christ. As we walk in community and listen and receive the word of God, we're filled up with joy. And these, these things just go hand in hand. You can't pick and choose and say, I kind of like two weeks ago. That was a cool message. That's a neat one. I like that one. We have to look at the, the, the demands as we see them in Scripture and say, I really don't like that demand. I really question that demand. But then we're at a crossroads. Are we divided? We're going to trust ourselves on this one? Or we're going to keep following the, the, the one who has the words of life? Peter says that. Lord, where else, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. We've got to keep with you. Even though it's a hard saying, we can't turn back now. You alone have the words of life. So we're going to trust you on this one. People connect over all sorts of different things that, 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 that bring pleasure. Think about, I mean, you know, whatever. Scrapbooking clubs and, you know, lowered race car clubs and traffic school. I mean, whatever the thing is, people get together over things that are hobbies and bring them joy. It's like, this is really fun. We're going to get together and enjoy this together. And there's a certain level of, of happiness, joy, maybe that's, that's there in that. The Christian community isn't, isn't a club that, that we're just, we're, our hobby happens to be religion. And we just love getting kind of snazzied up on a Sunday and we love to quote things and read old documents. That's not what this is about. In fact, if that's what it's about, pick a different hobby. This is lousy. This is a lousy hobby. 
You, you just don't want to go there. I talked to a guy this morning who he wants to be a pastor, and I told him this. I said, you know what? I mean, he's in high school, and I don't question that. He, he actually clarified this for me. He said, that's not that I want to be a, a pastor. I feel called to be a pastor. I go, well, brother, that better be what it is, because if you can be anything else, be that. I told him, I said, it's a hard, it's a hard life. It's a hard life to roll up your sleeves and keep serving people. And the more influence you have, the more base you go. And, and, to, and to go and to just keep on, keep on, keep on loving, loving people. There's not joy in it for, for that sake. And yet we're to be joyful always. The, the disciples' joy is kind of a key to their connectedness. I can look at some faces that have been around the world a little bit. There's an amazing thing. When I talk to someone in our culture who says, well, Jesus really meant this, 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 and this. I'm like, dude, just get out of Santa Clara County for once and quit reading a few of these books. Because here's the reality. I've, been in, I've spent time in a handful of countries around this world, and I marvel at rural, poor, nothing in common connectedness over the deep joy of being one in Christ with a brother or sister halfway around the world. And I just, it blows my mind. I go, you're kidding me. We're in a worship service. We're in a revival meeting. And you're singing totally different songs, I promise you, to the same God with the same characteristics, learning from the same word that I have been learning from. And now our lives get to kind of meet for a couple of days together. And it will blow your faith apart and your mind apart in a way that you go, man, there's a, there's a connectedness here. I did a camp in Australia for this guy. He didn't know me from anyone. And after one week of doing camps together, not because we hit it off. He was some kind of old dude to me. I was a, I was a college guy doing camps with kids. And he looks at me and he says, man, and I got engaged in Australia. And he looks at me and he says, I want you to know. He said, I've got a house that's right on the beach in Sydney. But it's yours for as long as you want it for your honeymoon. It's yours. Anytime you want it. Just get back here. I'm not going to pay for your you know, plane flight. And I was like, come on, brother, where's the love? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but here's why. It, it wasn't just that I'm just so winsome and I kind of weasel my way. In. There, was a, there was just a, a thing that said, man, you're, you're my brother. And we have all things in common. And this, this is yours. I want you to know that. I promise you right now, there are people around, around the world that, that would host me in a heartbeat and vice versa. In fact, I've gotten some of those phone calls and it's awesome. Hey, we're in town, our flight got laid, whatever, can we crash? Absolutely, show up here, please. And there's just this, this deep connectedness because we're family. This ties right into the next one, which is this idea of belonging. Take your, take your different color highlighter or however you want to do it now, trace it. I don't know where you're at, but verse 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. You know who who's talking about? Disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus do not belong to the world. Period. Verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. Your word is truth. Sorry, verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. There's this interesting dichotomy that Jesus brings up here. You do not belong to the world. So find your, doesn't belonging have to do with community and how we relate to one another and how we're going to join with one another? Join with others who belong to another. That's what I'm saying here. Join with others who, like my niece today, like several of you did a few weeks ago, like many of you across the country in different places did, you've staked your claim. You've put all in on Jesus Christ. That's who you're following. That's who your Lord, that's who your Savior is. That's who you belong to now. You've been, you've been grafted into the body of Christ now. So, so put your journey with people like that. You belong to them. But, but, but catch this. They don't belong to the world any more than I do, but I'm sending them out into the world. Right? So we're getting our mission here. This community doesn't exist for the benefit of one another. I mean, it's, it's, it's unlike any community I can really think of. It exists for the benefit of those who aren't yet part of our community. Now, are there benefits to being a part of a great, vibrant, growing church? Absolutely. Just ask those who've gone through trouble in this last year and their community group. I love reading the posts and different things that are going on about, about how community groups are acting like the body of Christ with one another. It's just awesome. You can't form, you, you, you can create programs, but you can't program that. 
That's coming from somewhere deeper. That's, that's the Holy Spirit of God working in our, in our body life together. You don't belong to the world. You belong to Christ. And collectively, we belong to Christ. But we are not meant to just come here and feel cozy around the campfire. I am sending them out into the world. Remember what we started with? What's that first word? Protection. You're safeguarded. Right before this or right after this, I can't remember where, but he says, he says I've overcome the world. This is Jesus talking. And he's saying this, mind you, thinking of us in mind, the church through the ages, but also knowing that in the very immediate future, he's going to be killed by the world, put to death by the world. Finally is this, that Christ gave himself um, so that we could be holy, so that we could be one. And that just carries with it the idea, this is in verse 19, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one. Verse 23, he says the standard is such perfect unity. That's what he's praying for. And Acts 2, verses 42 to following, carried this amazing picture of the early church where they're just, they had all things in common. They just kept giving to one another. I just read in Exodus where the people just were bringing so much stuff that they just they had to put a stop to it and say, okay, stop bringing things. Stop being such a great community. Sometimes in here, here's, here's where we touch on it. We have a long way to grow. Here's where we touch on it. Okay, stop shaking hands and greeting each other during the greeting time. You're doing a great job at that. Now stop it. I mean, I mean, what if it's such perfect unity that it's just this picture that people walk in here and go, yeah, it's not really the music or the speaking or the building or the facility, but there's something about that place that I am just so hungry for. It's that community. It's that love that we have, and it's going to be a witness to the world one way or the other. I want to invite the band up, and we're going to close with a song, and I want you not to miss this next part. Because really, what I'm saying is this. <clears throat> As we think about being involved in being the answer to Jesus' prayer, which every time you bear with one another, every time you do something without grumbling and complaining, every time you put someone else's needs, every time you consider someone else as actually more important than you, you're, you're, you're being the answer to Jesus' prayer. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, it's powerful to be the answer of someone's prayer. Like people that come and say, we've, we've prayed for you to come and bring the message of God, and you're here. I've had that happen to me, and that's just like, whoa, that's really amazing. Well, Jesus is, is praying for this unity, and every time we walk in obedience with that, we become the answer to Jesus' prayer. Now, here's what I haven't talked yet about. I haven't talked about the tone of your voice the time required to be in good relationship, techniques and tools on how to get along better, the forgiveness cycle. I mean, just none of that. We haven't gotten into to anything like that. What we started with is this, this picture that Jesus prays for it, and it's going to come true. 1 John chapter 1 talks about walking in the light. And that we're, we're to walk in the light as, as community. And, and unlike Adam and Eve where they were sent hiding and, and, and you know, kind of cowering from God and from one another, we're, we're to be doing just the opposite of that through the power of Christ. That we're to be opening up to one another. That we're to be opening up to God. Some of us, I think this morning, if I were to ask you, what is holiness? People might come back with all kinds of different things. Holiness is someone who just just knows the Word of God so good and just you know lives it. And holiness is you know really being faithful. I've just heard from a guy this morning at this other church. He said he's walked with Christ for 40 years. And holiness is all these different things. Let me just challenge you with this idea that that we are about to walk out these doors, and some of you, probably most of you, will engage in something that is considered holy. We're going to go share a meal together. And I, what, I, what I want you to do is not miss this moment. That in sharing a meal together with the message that we just heard, this ought to be a different meal. This ought to be a different welcome lunch than last month, shouldn't it? I want these truths rolling around in our hearts 
and in our heads. I want, it to, I want it to saturate how we spend time out there that we're continuing church here in a couple of minutes. I'm going to pray and we're going to transition, but the, but the worship of God is going to continue. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10.31 and then we'll sing. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Think about this. The way that you handle yourself out there is going to be a witness to the world, one way or the other. And that goes the same. The same is true. Catch this. This is true. But Monday morning breakfast. Okay, suddenly it doesn't feel easy to be a Christian. It doesn't feel easy to give the right of way to someone else. Siblings, your younger brother's bugging you. Very difficult. In that moment, I want you to pray. Pray continually. Say, God, thank you that right now I get to be part of an answer to your prayer. Thank you, God, that right now in this testing, I can actually be joyful, even though it's his turn to empty the garbage. I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm doing this for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you didn't limit walking in holiness to once a week, hearing a sermon, taking good notes, and singing loud. God, thank you that you didn't even limit it to doing things that apparently seem holy, like reading the Bible or helping the poor. But Father, that you've opened up all of life every moment of our life to be an opportunity to be joyful that right now our name is written in the book of life and that we've been given every single thing that we need for life and for godliness. And every time we let go of this world and say this world has nothing for me, we're making a statement of trust. We're wearing our belief on our sleeve. And God, as we dismiss in a moment, would you Would you bless those who are about to eat a meal and do this ancient and common thing that's going on all around the world right now. The church through the ages has come together and shared a common meal and worshipped you by doing so. Father, we love you. We praise you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen.